0: Eating for fuel, energy, and fitness is so much more than just choosing a salad or being vegetarian or keto. This is about understanding some basics about food, a little bit about biochemistry, and the importance of quality of food, and remembering you are what you ate, ate, and how all these lifestyle factors are critically important to include in your equation of your holistic lifestyle program. Because if you wanna feel good and look good forever, these are things we have to consider. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier. And welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Hello, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. I'm so glad you're here with me today. This show is about eating for fuel, energy, and fitness. Woo, what a big topic! I know everyone is kind of like interested and confused about what should I eat? When should I eat it? Do I do keto? Do I do vegetarian? What is the healthiest? What's going to make me feel fit? Lose weight, stay trim, look great, have energy, all that kind of stuff. And of course, be healthy, not only for now, but years from decades from now. What do I do? How do I eat? Well, this show is going to talk about the basics of food, getting into how to fuel for exercise and still have energy and how to maintain your fitness program with a good diet. Because you know what? It's not just about choosing a salad, or working out constantly. And thank God for that. Now, I also want to point you out to episode 44, which is part of my 10-part Foundations and Fitness and Fat Loss series, which is featured on the show. All 10 episodes will be uploaded eventually, but Episode 44 has the foundations in fitness on holistic exercise and how to design a holistic exercise program. I talk about how to balance a program together and particularly if you don't have a lot of time, how to cover all your bases and do so intelligently and effectively. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go ahead back and check out episode 44. So with the huge volume of misinformation circulating around the internet and in the world on diet and exercise, and most of it being conflicting, I thought I'd drop a little truth bomb on you backed by some factual science, of course, and real life results and experience over my 30 years of experience in the field so you can know how to get the most out of your workouts. Stop unknowingly sabotaging yourself, which is a huge personal pet peeve of mine and enjoy the process. How about that for a goal? Can we enjoy the journey for Pete's sake? Because you know, as the wise people say, it's not about the destination. We have to learn to enjoy the journey. Otherwise, what's the point? Not to mention it's bad energy. And if you're in something that's bad energy to begin with, it's only going to blossom into something that is bloomed with bad energy. So, we got to pay attention to the experience all along the process. Okay, I like to get to the bottom line. If you know me, <laughs> I like to really get to the meat of the issue without getting to too much pomp and circumstance. So I'm going to start with the bottom line. How about that? Here it is the key to successful weight loss and keeping it off and staying fit and healthy forever begins with having a basic and accurate understanding of how different foods work in your body and how exercise can affect that and vice versa. I'm going to repeat that sentence because again, I'm calling it the bottom line for a reason. I really need you to wrap your brain around what I'm saying. Here we go. The key to successful weight loss and keeping it off And staying fit and healthy forever begins with having a basic and accurate understanding of how different foods work in your body and how exercise can affect that, as well as vice versa, okay? So, we have to have a basic foundation to know what food does in your body, and how foods are different. Because let me tell you something, if you hear someone, and even if they're a quote-unquote expert, say, it's all about calories, eat less, move more, that's it or if a doctor even says that to you you know to turn around and run as fast as you can away from that person because <laughs> that means they don't understand basic biochemistry as as well as physiology as well as any practical real life experience because not all food is created the same there's a big difference between Carbohydrate sugar calories from a Twinkie and carbohydrate sugar calories from an organic sweet potato, let's say. Okay, totally different. Not to mention the calories between any kind of carbohydrate and the calories from fat. Those will physiologically have a different effect, a different outcome as well as a different processing in your body than the other. Okay. They will be processed differently. They affect your energy differently. They affect your fat storage differently. So not all calories are created equal. What you eat, how you eat, and when you eat are all very significant factors in your results, okay? So we need to learn some basic biochemistry. Nothing scary, but I got to educate you to the facts so you will be empowered and you will know how to put together your own perfect diet. I'm of the of the mindset that I want to teach you how to fish rather than give you the fish because your life will always change. How you eat and exercise today is going to be different a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. If you're pregnant, if you're not pregnant, if you're stressed, if you're not stressed, if you're hurt, injured, if you're recovering from an illness, if you have more weight to lose, just a little bit weight to lose, if you're eating for better skin, hair and nails as opposed to uh, eating to have better sleep. All these things will affect how you eat and how you exercise. That's why you need to have a basic understanding. Therefore, you know how to tweak your diet, your exercise program based on your particular situation. Got it? All right. So let's start with number one. Number one is understanding you, the principle of biochemical individuality. The first place we have to begin is for you to understand that for you to be healthy and fit requires that you first and foremost understand you, your unique self. Just as no two snowflakes are the same, there is no one exactly like you. And therefore, you must become an expert in yourself and your body, as well as its unique signals and its needs, which are communicated as symptoms, quote unquote, and your results like how are you sleeping are you putting on weight how is your skin how is your hair how is your how are your nails are they are they strong are they brittle are they cracking do you have wrinkles do you have insomnia do you have gas bloating burping are, are, do you have cravings are you hungry within 20 to 30 minutes after eating do you need to take a nap after you eat do you not have energy to exercise do you have a hard time focusing guess what? These are all symptoms of your lifestyle. Got it? Please hear me loud and clear. They're not symptoms of you getting older and something that's natural and to be expected. I really don't care who's told you that because there is plenty of people and populations for that matter that are living proof that they're not part of normal aging, nor are they part of your genetic predetermined destiny. We now know based on science from the epigenome and that it is your environment and how you live that will determine what your genes do. Now, yes, you're a biological DNA, your genes might, what they say, load the gun, to give a metaphor, but The way you live, your lifestyle, your choices, your diet, your exercise, your moods, your mindset, the people in your world, how you think, these are the things that pull the trigger, okay? These are the things that determine how your genes are expressed or not expressed in the world. So yes, you might be predisposed genetically to a certain situation, but we now know you're no longer a victim of that. Nope. We can't use that excuse. And you know what? Good. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a victim. I want to feel like I have control and power over my body, my life, my experience, my choices. I don't want to feel like, what's the point? Do you? Otherwise, God knows I wouldn't be doing this show right now. I'd be on my couch eating ding-dongs. That's for sure. (laughs) Okay. But it's a wonderful moment because I'm telling you, you are empowered by getting the right knowledge from people who know what they're talking about and who walk the talk and who are living proof that you too can do it. Remember, as they say, success leaves clues. Find people who are doing and living and being what you want to be, live, and do and emulate them. Do what they do. Learn their methods and apply them to your life. And voila, you have a recipe for success. Yay. So don't confuse symptoms with reality. Okay. Remember, symptoms are feedback. All those things I mentioned, like inability sleeping, cravings, bad moods, inability to focus, all those things are symptoms of probably getting something wrong. Something along the way of what you're doing is not working for your body. Okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means good. Now I know something that's not working and I need to take a look at what I'm doing and tweak it and be like a scientist and evaluate your evidence to look at, okay, I'm going to try this. All right. Well, that meal I had this, if I remove this one ingredient, I'm going to see how that affects my mood, energy, weight loss, whatever. And then you learn, that's how I figured out that I'm allergic to dairy products. I'll tell you just not to get too sidetracked, but it's important because who would have thunk it because I'm half Irish. Okay. But I learned I am allergic to dairy. Wow. Go figure. So, yes, every now and then I would have these healthy little protein bars that had dairy in them. Although it was healthy and natural and free range grass fed dairy from cows that were properly raised and, and organically sourced, it didn't matter. I still was allergic to dairy. And how did I finally figure it out that it, that was the culprit? It wasn't some other things that I suspected it might have been giving me my problems? Well, I realized that I was having excessive hair loss. And no, I didn't have a thyroid issue, which is the first thing we think about. And no, it didn't have to do with me getting older, like one of my hairdressers told me, which I wasn't too happy about, by the way. (laughs) And it wasn't my shampoo or wearing too many hats or any of that kind of stuff that you might hear, or even pulling my ponytail back too tight when I was working out. Nope. I figured out that it was a dairy allergy. And lo and behold, don't you know, a lot of people experience hair loss when they're allergic to dairy. And I was also having problems with joint swelling, in particular, my hands in the morning, my joints would be swollen. So I was thinking, gee whiz, am I getting arthritis? Like what is going on here? So bottom line was, you know what? I eliminated those bars, no more dairy because I don't drink milk or anything like that anymore. I know better than to do that. But I was having these little healthy protein bars as a snack, but I eliminated those bars. And you know what? No more hair down the drain. I mean, I was telling you my hair was coming out in clumps. Like I was having heart palpitations when I would take a shower. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be bald. Okay. Like what is going on with my hair? It was very disturbing. I don't know about you, but I love my hair. I am a big hair girl. I should be living in Texas. I love big hair because you know what they say, the higher the hair, the closer to God. (laughs) I love big hair, big voluminous hair. Bring it to me, baby. So when I was having hair loss, that was a major problem for me. That might not be your thing, but oh my gosh, I was really having a hard time. So what I'm getting at, my friend, is I was so happy and finally relieved to learn that, oh my God, this was something I was doing to myself. It wasn't genetic. It wasn't all these other possible things, but I got to the cause. I got to the root of the problem. And how I knew was when I eliminated all dairy, my hair loss, my joint swelling, all that stopped. There you go. You can't argue with results. I'm sorry. Okay? So, biochemical individuality. Does that mean that's the cause of your hair loss or joint swelling or arthritic type conditions or whatever? I don't know. But the only way to find out is to start keeping a journal, start paying attention and connecting the dots. By the way, I talk about this in one of my episodes, if you heard Foundations and Fit Loss Number one, I talk about the importance of keeping a food, exercise, and lifestyle journal where I teach you how to record the symptoms of your lifestyle and to put the pieces together so you too can figure out, why is this happening to me? This is something I don't want to happen. I have to figure out what's going on so I can correct it, okay? Be your own doctor, okay? Okay. Be your own expert on yourself because nobody's going to care as much as you. So you got to put in the time. And that ultimately is what it's about is self-knowledge because self-knowledge is self-empowerment. Okay. Are you with me? All right. Let's get back to this content for today's show. So there are many different relevant factors that influence our unique and changing needs. Here are just some of the things that can affect your individual exercise and nutrition needs and your results. Okay, so these are some factors you want to consider. Your age, your gender, your personal goal, you know, like each person has different requirements and protocols, um, and some can be conflicting. So you have to be clear on what your priority is. is. Is your number one thing you want to lose weight? Are you trying to perform better? Are you an athlete? Are you a marathon runner or on a team and wanting to get faster, stronger? Uh, do you want to just maintain your functional independence? Maybe you're a little bit older and you just want to be able to be independent in your older years and be able to drive and see well and get around on your own. So you don't have to rely on others. Do you have aesthetic goals? You want to have better skin, less wrinkles, brighter eyes, shinier hair. Are you trying to balance your hormones? Maybe you have really bad PMS or you've really bad periods or you're bleeding a lot or you get just in really bad moods. You're kind of a moody person and you don't want to be and you can't figure out what the heck is wrong with me all the time. Or maybe you're dealing with mental health challenges. I know that my mental health is completely correlated to my diet and exercise program. Let me tell you something. If I don't get enough sleep, you don't want to be around me. I am an irritable person. I don't even like being around myself when I don't get enough sleep. I don't like who I am. I'm snappy. I'm more jumpy. I'm less patient. I'm I'm scattered. I'm all over the place. I just can't focus. Okay. And the same thing goes for my diet. If I don't eat a good, solid quality meal, I am just a mess. I have no motivation to do anything, not even to record a show and be with you, which is one of my favorite things to do. Okay, so even things like trying to heal from an injury or a situation or an illness, these are all relevant factors, as well as your activity level. Are you somebody that works out three or four times a week with some light dancing or yoga? Or are you somebody that runs marathons or competes in a sport? Do you have any physical limitations, like injuries, Or muscle imbalances, joint problems? Are you suffering from cravings? Do you have time restrictions? Are you somebody that's like a young mom of two or you have a really demanding job and kids at home or maybe you're homeschooling now and you don't have help at home and so you're doing the second shift, doing all the housework. So you have a really limited time to do anything for yourself or if maybe you lack motivation or you're not sleeping well okay so these are all possible factors that we have to consider when we're talking about your biochemical individuality okay so Go back and rewind this or listen to the show again. Or if you're watching it on YouTube, on Fit Amy TV, just stop it, go back, take a piece of paper and a pencil and write down those things so you can take note of all those individual factors that are super important when determining your exercise program and how to eat. Because if I was working with you personally, I'm going to tell you right now, these are things I'd be looking at, okay? So all these factors will determine your protocol and can explain also why, for example, some people can eat more carbohydrates than others or why some people tend to put on muscle more easily. They are also why the world of nutrition, diets, and working out can be so confusing and so complicated because in truth, no two people are the same and all these factors must be taken into account for us to have success. So how do we do that? That is the question. Well, like I mentioned, you have to be a specialist in you. After acknowledging that you are unique, the next step is to be a specialist in you. This means you have to learn how to associate your feelings, like your moods, your thoughts, your energy levels, how tired you are, how motivated or unmotivated you are, if you're feeling anxious, hyper, wired, but exhausted, any of your physical body needs and results, like your weight, your muscle tone, any inflammation in your body, any injuries, how quickly you recover from injury for that matter, all these things. And we have to think about all these things and what you're doing. So your symptoms and your results are your body's way of communicating with you on how you're doing. It's basically what we call your report card. Okay. And like I mentioned earlier, it's not about genetics. It's about epigenetics. It's about your lifestyle and how your body is going to react. So all all too often, we don't relate things like these factors to our eating and exercise habits. But if you want to be fit forever, then you really should. For example, okay, let's take a real-life example. If you eat a turkey sandwich for lunch and 40 minutes later, you're bloated, you're spacey, you feel hungry again, and particularly for something sweet, then that's all huge clues from your body that something about that meal didn't work for you, or let's say you're running five days a week and you're gaining weight, even though you're running five days a week and you're not sleep- sleeping well at night, then that's a sign that your body and your, its hormonal system is stressed out and that you need to adjust your program. Okay, in spite of the fact that you burn approximately 250 calories on your Fitbit, it doesn't matter. Your body is obviously giving you its report card and telling you it's not working for you. And eventually, you're going to pay the price. The bottom's going to fall out. Okay, so ideally, symptoms and results that you want mean that you're getting it right and anything else is showing you something's off track. So excess body fat, hair loss, digestive problems, poor sleep, inability to focus, needing any kind of prescription drugs, obviously any kind of chronic disease, diabetes, uh, anything like that, for example. These are all examples of symptoms of getting something wrong and that our lifestyle choices are not working and we need to adjust the course. So how to be your own detective so you do get it right? Well, first thing to do is pay attention to your body's communication, like I've been telling you. Pay attention and understand it's all feedback. It's all symptoms, all of it, mind, body, and spirit, okay? Can't separate mind, body, and spirit. You can't have a fit, healthy, well-functioning body in a diseased mind with stinking thinking, as they say. You can't have negative, bad thoughts in a healthy, vivacious, open inspired beautiful body it just can't be eventually that energy is going to come through and third connect the dots between your choices what you're doing what you're eating etc and what you're getting so put it all together okay go back to episode foundations of fitness one for more help on that all right so Issue number two is understanding food. All right. Now, we're going to get into a little biochemistry here, okay? So, put on your little science hat with me because this is important. I won't get too complicated on you, but I do need you to understand some basics, okay? Because I want you to be informed and empowered with the truth. That is really my goal. The next step here is to understand if your diet is working for you. Again, this requires understanding how your body communicates with you and This is with regard to your choices. Your goal after eating is to feel energized, okay? To feel satisfied, not to have any cravings, not to be hungry again within four to five hours later, and to be able to focus and think clearly. You shouldn't have gas. You shouldn't be bloated. You shouldn't have indigestion, constipation, rashes, diarrhea, burping, irritable bowel syndrome, And you should be able to handle stress without losing your marbles, for that matter, okay? Anything short of this is less than ideal, okay? So any kind of headaches, anxiety, cravings, move swings, ADD, HDHD, tired but wired, okay? These are all problems. Feeling lethargic, dull mood, heavy feeling, especially in your gut. You feel full, but you're still hungry. You think about food all the time. Are these sounding familiar? Okay, once again, all symptoms, you're getting it wrong. So let's address what you eat, okay? Food can be reduced down to basically macronutrients and micronutrients. Accurately determining the sweet spot of the exact type, quality, and quantity of your macronutrients and your micronutrients is the key to unlocking your personal fitness diet program and understanding how to tweak it as you go along. All right, so what are macronutrients? Macronutrients are what we consider protein, fat, and carbohydrates, okay? Protein, again, just at the risk of oversimplifying, but just trying to keep it a workable definition. Protein is essential, okay? There are 22 what is called essential amino acids, that must be consumed from your food choices because your body does not make them on its own. So that means they're called essential because you—it it is essential you ingest them from outside your body and take them in. Protein is needed to maintain your lean tissue, which is your muscle mass as well as your organs. Okay, So you can stay strong, stay independent, and it keeps your metabolism High, which is the rate at which your body burns calories, as well as helps you balance and produce your hormones. Okay, so all those reasons right there are why protein is critical to get good quality and adequate amount of protein. Very, very important. And you know, it's even more important when you're growing and when. You're aging those two times, kind of like the beginning and the end of your life are the two most important times to make sure you're getting enough protein. Did you know that? Because protein is required for growth. I mean, we know that children are not, that are not given adequate protein, like God forbid these parents that are well-meaning but put their babies and young children on vegan diets and soy formulas, God forbid, please don't do that. These babies don't thrive, they don't grow, and they don't develop properly, particularly their brain chemistry, not to mention their actual physical height and structure, okay? Protein is essential. It's also, unfortunately... When we get older and elderly people don't eat adequate protein, their appetites often go down and their activity level goes down, but their muscle mass goes down too. And a lot of that is because they're just not eating enough and they're not eating enough protein. They're eating too much damn jello and all that other stuff they gave you, God forbid, in those places. Throw that stuff out the window, will you? Do me a favor. <laughs> Please remember you are what you eat. If you remember anything from this show, remember that your body doesn't assimilate your organ cells and your pancreas cells and your liver cells and your skin cells and your hair, nails, teeth, gums, your brain cells, your ability to think. It requires the nutrients that each of those cells need, those particular specific nutrients that your body needs in order to produce and function properly. And it's not going to happen by eating takeout from Domino's pizza or you know, Chuck E. Cheese, uh, chicken strips. And, you know, packaged, processed, frozen foods and Jenny Craig and all this garbage that's not even real food and God forbid any GMOs or vegetarian soy meats or any of this garbage that is not real food, okay? You are never, never going to thrive and be fit and healthy and beautiful and happy and focused and balanced inspired and motivated and all that kind of stuff if you are not feeding the machine Highest quality fuel possible. Please remember that. Please, please remember that. The world needs you to remember that. Okay? We need you to be your best. And you can't be your best when you're eating junk. Okay? All right. In general, how much protein do you need? Well, it's safe to say, as a general range, without knowing you personally, the average person needs approximately 0. 0.7 to 1.0 grams of protein, high quality protein. pound of body weight. And please remember that too little is not good, but neither is too much. Okay. Don't fall into the trap that if some is good, more is better. No, everything can be too much. Everything can be too little. And I've said in previous shows, it's about the right dose, right? Everything has the the optimal dose. You want that Goldilocks dose, which is going to change from day to day, season to season. Winter will be different than summer. Okay. Whatever's going on, all those factors I gave before, your activity level, your gender, your goals, your age, your issues, those will all determine how much protein you need. Okay. And the key is to find the right dose for you. So good sources of protein include Naturally raised, grass-fed, pasture-raised meats and eggs, okay? They cannot be conventional meats and eggs bought in the store, just regular, okay? Not all protein is created equal. We know the nutritional profile of meats that are from animals that were raised in humane conditions the way that they have been for thousands of years, out grazing in the sunshine with fresh air and natural, healthy, rich soil with healthy, natural plants that have not been sprayed with pesticides and herbicides and all of these chemicals that also affect your reproductive system, your emotional mental system. Remember, you are what you ate ate. So the quality of the meats that you're eating matters. You know, with this popular paleo diet and keto diet and carnivore diet and all these people realizing the importance of eating adequate protein, they're missing a very important point that the type of protein, the quality of protein, the animal that you're eating is super important. It's not all equal. Okay. There's a big difference between conventional meats and eating an animal that was raised properly and pasture raised, grass fed, fed what it was supposed to eat. You would be horrified to learn what non-conventional, or excuse me, what conventional meats are fed. Okay, what animal, (laughs) let me say that again. You would be horrified to learn what conventional animals are fed. Conventional farm feedlot animals are fed. They're not even ingredients, okay? They're fed non-foods. Do you know that they're fed sawdust? They're fed other ground up animal parts. They're fed cement. They're fed things that are not food. Why? Because the only goal of those farmers is to fatten up the animal because they sell animals based on weight. And they don't care if that animal has 20 pounds of muscle weight or 20 pounds of fat weight or 20 pounds of sawdust weight in its gut. It doesn't matter. They get paid poor per pound of animal. So they fatten up that sucker as much as they can and they send it off to be processed and put on your plate for you based on its weight. They don't care what that animal's made of. Do you care? Because that's now becoming part of your body. And you wonder why your skin is is breaking out. You wonder why you can't think clearly or you feel unmotivated. Well, you're eating garbage because what you ate ate literally garbage. Okay. You'd be horrified to know what is approved of for animals that are, that are, they allow them to sell their byproducts. Okay. You know, they actually cut around, uh, tumors. And any cancerous lesions in animals, they're allowed to literally cut that out of the animal and sell the rest of the animal to you. An animal that had cancer. Yes, it's okay. It's legal for them to do that. Okay? But not with, not with properly raised animals, not with pasture-raised animals, not from reputable sources. Like my favorites are uh, white oak pastures. They raise animals properly. Um, another one, oh, let's see, what is the name of that one? Belcampo Meats is another really good one. They're out there. Maybe even your local farmer, okay? You want to find out what you ate Ate and how that animal was raised and lived because just like us as people, it will influence its body, okay? You're eating its body. So how healthy is your body if you're living on ding-dongs and you live your life in the closet in the dark? How healthy is your body going to be, right? Well, that's what's happening with some of these conventional farm-raised animals. So please, prioritize what you're eating and spend the money to make it the highest quality possible. It matters. Okay? All right. So, organic if possible, pasture-raised, free-range, eggs, meats, dairy, if you eat dairy, bone broth, and organ meats. Super important. And pound for pound, the highest uh, bioavailable protein available will be from animals, not vegetarian. Vegetarianism is a whole nother issue. I should probably do a whole episode on that. It's okay to be vegetarian if you know what you're doing and you get educated from a reputable source because most people get into a lot of trouble being vegetarian because you can be susceptible to a lot of malnutrition problems and illnesses if you don't know what you're doing. So please, please, please just be educated. That's all I ask. And listen to your body's symptoms. Go back to what I said. If you are on any medications or have any issues, you need to look at what you're doing. Okay? All right. Macronutrient number two is fat. Consuming high-quality fat is essential for vibrant health, but it must be from the right source. Just like everything else, all fat is not created equal. All protein is not created equal, like I just explained. Okay? Okay. So, depending on the source, you will have very different effects of the fat you're eating on different parts of your body. There's a big difference between fat from a salad dressing, which is usually from a seed oil, like, God forbid, canola, which is horrific for your body. Please don't ever eat canola or rapeseed oil. It's highly, highly processed. It's highly inflammatory and can contribute to arthritis and mood, emotional problems, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But there's a big difference between, say, a salad dressing uh, with a seed oil like that and a fat from olive oil, which is rich in monounsaturated omega-9s. Okay, and it can be anti-inflammatory and it's a natural fat and it's not highly processed and man-made like something like canola oil is. Okay, so not all fat is created equal. Not all oils are created equal. They all do different things in your body and we must pay attention to the source. Okay, so stay away from man-made fats, which canola oil is one processed vegetable oils. You have to be a label reading Nazi. Okay. You just do. You have to read labels and know what to look for. There's something with like Dr. Kate Shanahan, who I really want to try to have on the show, by the way, uh, who's an expert on fat nutrition. She calls it the hateful eight is her whole premise is, which is, which is second, third, fourth by many, many prominent doctors and health experts in the field that processed vegetable oils are the are the worse than sugar in your diet they're worse than sugar and smoking for your mind body and spirit processed vegetable oils to them are like the root of all evil okay and they are soy soybean canola rapeseed cotton seed grapeseed oil uh let's see what else Uh, safflower, sunflower. Am I forgetting a few? Let's see. I'll have to look that up. I'll try to put it in the show notes, and I'm definitely doing a show on that. But those are all processed seed oil, which are like everywhere. They're in salad dressings. They're in sauces. They're in soups. They're in any packaged, takeout, processed foods, foods even at Whole Foods at the, uh, the takeout bar thing they have there. They're in restaurants because they're cheap and they're processed and they're toxic and they lead to inflammation and chronic disease in your body, not to mention weight gain and mental emotional problems. So please look for them and stay away from them. Go in your kitchen right now and throw them out. Anything that contains them, get rid of them and watch your health soar. Okay, we also want to stay away from fake foods like margarine and creamers that go in coffee. All these processed and snack foods, they're all full of these processed vegetable oils, which are basically toxic poisons. And please don't fear fat. Fat is what keeps you full and satisfied so you don't keep eating yourself to death. <laughs> and it also keeps cravings and mood swings at bay. Plus, fat is necessary for proper brain function. Decreasing inflammation, maintaining a good mood, having a good memory. You need to eat these quality fats in order to be able to remember stuff, to produce your hormones, to produce cholesterol, which your body needs in order to make your hormones, particularly your sex hormones. So if your libido is in the tank, you need to look at the quality of fat in your diet. Your sex drive is an indicator of health. I don't care how old you are, if you're in a relationship or not, it doesn't matter. You should have a functioning as in existent <laughs> sex drive. It should happen every now and then that you get your mojo and high gear, okay? If you don't, that's an issue of something wrong in your body because that's just a natural part of being alive. That's your life force. That's your energy. That's the kundalini in your body. That is what it is all about, my friend. That's that spark, that twinkle in your eye. And we all want it. So you've got to look at the quality of the fats in your diet, the cholesterol in your diet from good, properly raised animal sources to make sure you're getting adequate fuel to make your hormones, which will give you that sex drive that you want and it's fun too. Okay. Also, you need to eat quality fats in order to get the four vitamins that are only found in fats. Do you know that there are four vitamins that you can only get by eating fats? That's right. They're called the fat soluble vitamins because they're only available in fats. They are vitamin A, vitamin D, what else, what else, what? Vitamin E and vitamin K. Those four, A, D, E, and K, are only found in fat sources. You can't find them in organic broccoli. Nope. You're not going to find them there. You're not going to find them in carrots. You're not going to find them in kale in your super smoothie. No, no, no. Guess what? not only are they only found in fats, but they're only found in animal sources. That's right. Yes, even vitamin K. No, you do not get vitamin K, uh, vitamin K or vitamin A from carrots. So for those of you vegetarians, no, you don't. You do not get vitamin A from carrots. You know what you get from carrots? You get beta carotene, which is a precursor to vitamin A. It can help your body make vitamin A if all the conditions in your body are right, chemically, physiologically, biochemically, in order to make the vitamin A. It is a several-step process which requires all the factors to line up. We're talking lifestyle, my friend. So don't tell me that you're getting the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K if you're not eating high-quality animal foods to make sure you're getting those essential, essential vitamins. They're only found in fat sources, okay? And in particular, they're found in saturated fat sources, which is the preferred fuel for the heart. Did you know that? No, we now know. Thank God we've corrected that complete sham saying that saturated fat was the cause of heart disease and stroke and all that. Thank God we totally blew the lid off the sugar industry and big pharma behoozling all of us into thinking that saturated fat was the enemy when in fact we've been eating it for centuries and centuries and centuries with no heart disease until the first I think occurrence of heart disease was I I think it was 1912 or 1910 was the first recorded medical incident of heart attack was 1910 or 1912. But centuries before that we've been eating lard animal fats and butter with no heart disease. And don't tell me it's because we were living shorter. No, we weren't. Okay, we're actually living better and longer. Go to any indigenous culture in the world, they're still eating that way. And they have vibrant healthy, healthy, fully functioning elderly people in their communities that are still riding bikes and contributing to the world. And they got all their marbles about them for that matter. So Please, let's get educated on this. Go back to eating like we're supposed to. Stop believing the hype. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Don't believe everything you read. Dig deeper into research and quote-unquote scientific studies. Look and see who's funding the study. Is it a pharmaceutical company? Is it a drug company with that, with that will have some benefit? Is it Bill Gates who definitely has financial benefit behind all his quote-unquote good acts? Okay, please use your brain. Be responsible for your health and don't believe what's told of you. Do your own research. Apply your own empiric research, your own results, and study people who are healthy and what they're doing, okay? Can't argue with results. So we need good fats to make our nerve cells, our hormone, our heart cells, and to have good moods, energy, and satiety between your meals. What are some sources? Well, I've mentioned a few. Grass-fed meats, grass-fed poultry, pasture-raised whole eggs. You got to get the yolk in there because that has all the nutrition, not to mention the vitamin A. Extra virgin olive oil, raw organic coconut butter, grass-fed butter, and ghee, which is my favorite. And my little niece loves when I make her uh, vegetables with uh, sauteed in nice hot ghee. Get them nice and crispy. Yum, yum, yum. And a small amount of organic, raw, unsalted nuts are also a good source. But watch out for the quantity of nuts because those are super high calorie and they can lead to weight gain if you eat too many. And they can also lead to constipation. So you don't want to be constipated. Let me tell you something. You must make sure you facilitate your body detoxifying on a daily basis because, well, basically, how would your body feel if you don't take out the trash, right? Right. How would your house smell if you didn't take out the trash? Well, you got to take out the trash. So you got to make sure you go into the bathroom adequately every day. All right. Being constipated is not good. Okay. Let's talk about the third and final macronutrient, which is carbohydrates. Now, this is quite a loaded issue for people. Very, very confusing. But unlike protein and fat, guess what? There is no physiological dietary requirement for carbohydrates. Want me to say that again? You heard me correct. There is no recommended amount of carbohydrates per day, as in, there's no RDA for carbohydrates, because guess what? Your body can make its own, meaning you don't need to eat a certain amount of carbohydrates. They are not essential, unlike the 22 essential amino acids, the 22 essential. Uh, components of protein, which you need to ingest, and the four fat-soluble vitamins you need to uh, ingest, carbohydrates do not have a minimum requirement to be consumed in order for you to be functional and fit. You heard it right. None. Zero. So this makes the inclusion of carbohydrates in your diet basically like a wild card, right? We each have our own unique tolerance of carbohydrates, meaning that amount, which is that Goldilocks amount, and any more or any less can lead us to the unwanted symptoms that I've been mentioning, okay? Some people have more leeway than others, and this will affect how much they can eat without incurring any of those unwanted side effects, like high cholesterol, high serum triglycerides, excessive body fat, inflammation, excesses of cravings and addictions. Those are all signs that you're getting the carbohydrate amount wrong. Let me repeat that. High cholesterol, the first thing we look at is how much carbohydrates you're eating and, and also how much of the processed man-made vegetable oils. Those are the number one and two things for high cholesterol. High serum triglycerides, which is your fat content in your blood. Having excess body fat, particularly belly fat. Okay, any inflammation and excessive cravings and addictions. These are all signs that you probably are getting your carbohydrate mix wrong. Please note, this is important, that to your blood, all carbohydrate sources are the same. So don't tell me, well, that's okay. I'm eating good carbs or I'm eating complex carbs. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, to your body, a carbohydrate is a carbohydrate because they all break down into glucose eventually. Okay. So to your body, there's no difference between eating an organic blueberry and a (laughs) Pop-Tart. Okay. Because eventually they all break down to glucose. So the amount of glucose is that wild card that you might be able to eat more glucose than me, without getting any unwanted symptoms. But for me, I'll be taking a nap on the sofa because I'm passed out, and then I'm hungry 20 minutes later wanting another snack because my blood sugar is on a roller coaster and going up and down with my carbohydrate intake. So depend, depending on your particular situation will determine how much carbohydrates you are able to eat without getting symptoms you don't want, okay? So remember, to your blood, all carbohydrates are ultimately the same. And that goes for even whole grain organic toast. And that with an apple, okay? Jelly beans, all carbs break down to glucose eventually. All right. So, micronutrients are what are electrolytes and salt and sodium. So, when we think of eating healthy, most of us think of macronutrients like the proteins, fats, and carbs that I just mentioned. But often it's the micronutrients. Like your electrolytes and particularly your salt, your sodium balance in your body that are often neglected as nutrients in your body. And these things are required in order to make the energy to take the macronutrients, proteins, fats, and carbs and turn them on. The the enzymatic reactions in your body are determined by your electrolyte balance as well as your uh, energy levels. They keep your body running smoothly and efficiently. And they also control your hydration level for that matter. Are you somebody who pees all the time? You know, you hear about us saying, stay properly hydrated, drink water. And then you hear people say, yeah, but I'm peeing all the time. Well, then you've got a sodium electrolyte balance, most likely. You've got a mineral imbalance in your body. Either that, or you're just not drinking a good source of water. Okay? So that's topic for another show. But in a nutshell there's water inside the cell and outside the cell. And this so there's intracellular, uh, sodium levels and there's extracellular sodium levels. And that's, that's controlled by the cell membrane, which is controlled by the fats in your diet because the membrane of the cell is made up of the quality of your fats. So we get back to eating good fats because if you're not eating the right fats and you're eating all these crappy vegetable oil fats and processed crappy fats, then the integrity of your cells can't let the water in and out. As needed, so you're going to have problems with your sodium, electrolyte, and water balance, and you're going to be dehydrated, constipated. You're going to have poor mood, memory, focus, and you're going to be peeing all the time. Okay, so that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> but electrolytes are the minerals in your body that have an electrical charge. Okay, that's all electric. Electrolytes are; is they have an electrical charge. They include sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, chloride, and bicarbonate. And they're in your blood, your urine, your tissues, and other body fluids. And they're vital sources that enable your cells to conduct the electrical currents that perform all the functions of your body. Like I said, maintaining the fluid balance within the cells, regulating your body's acid balance, your pH. Helping your body deliver nutrients to the cells, removing waste from the cells, assisting in nerve, muscle, heart, and brain function. These are all functions of electrolytes in your cells because, as you know, your body runs on electricity, okay, right? That's your life force. Your body is basically a big battery. And like I talk about in episodes when we talk about electromagnetic fields and the dangers of 5G and your cell phone and being in front of your computer all the time and how you need to get out on the earth and put your feet on the ground and get the hell away from technology every day as much as possible and don't sleep with it near your body and powering down your stuff at night so you can sleep, okay, because... You are a battery. Your body is running on its own internal predetermined electrical current, and it's going to be disrupted by all these external sources, sources of electricity. So we have to be aware of the things that we're exposing ourselves to in our environment. This is the lifestyle stuff that's affecting your mind, body, and spirit. Okay? So you are a big battery. Your electrolytes are going to be influenced by the electricity in your environment. So, vomiting, urination, diarrhea, excessive sweating, exercise, medications, these are all things that can disrupt and deplete your body's stores of electrolytes and these important minerals, like I listed potassium, calcium, magnesium, bicarbonate, etc., which can lead to a cascade of problems, including overeating. Poor energy conduction, you just don't have enough energy, you feel yucky, you're in a blah mood. And uh, hey, how do you know how this is happening to you other than what I'm just mentioning? But common symptoms of low electrolytes include getting lightheaded after standing up, frequent headaches, feeling dizzy or disoriented, inability to focus, and of course, low energy, particularly when you're not hungry, but you still have low energy. So, maintaining adequate electrolyte levels is key to feeling your best, staying trim, and for athletic performance. And I want to just mention about salt and sodium in particular, because we need to pay special attention to the adequate sodium level in your body. It's particularly an issue in regard to exercise and functioning at high levels of physical endurance, like if you run marathons or exercise a lot, or maybe it's summer and you're sweating a lot. Because maintaining adequate sodium levels in the body is vital for life. Please note, there's a big difference between real salt, which is sea salt, and the commonly used table salt, okay? They are not the same thing. The salt that you're going to find in packaged, processed, frozen foods, when it says salt and sodium, is not, not, not the same thing as whole, full mineral, rich Sea salt, the way it's supposed to be, okay? Because sea salt contains over 84 trace minerals and nutrients that your body needs on a daily basis. So that translates to electrolytes, okay? Sea salt has over 84 trace minerals and these electrolytes, which your body needs to run all the circuits, run the battery, okay? So not only is salt not bad for you, and I'm talking about sea salt, and it's not something you need to avoid, but it's good for you, and it's required. And that's only if it's the real thing, okay? It's the way Mother Nature intended it, all 84 trace minerals. However, table salt is highly processed. It's man-made, and it's a chemical concoction, a, a pathetic substitute. That also has additives and colorings, which prevent it clumping together and all that other kind of stuff, and it lacks the mineral content, okay? It's usually just sodium chloride. It's not even all 84 minerals. That's the thing that can increase your blood pressure and lead to a lot of problems, and that's why it's not the same as sea salt, okay? So sodium is the main electrolyte found in the extracellular fluid and the potassium is also the main intracellular electrolyte, which I, like I mentioned earlier, and these are involved in that delicate fluid balance of keeping you hydrated and your blood pressure controlled. These are things that are naturally regulated by natural sea salt, not table salt. So the recommended amount of sea salt per day is approximately two teaspoons a day, give or take, okay? Less or more depending on your individual situation. And as far as, just to wrap up this section, as far as water and hydration, well, going hand-in-hand with adequate electrolytes is maintaining adequate hydration levels because water is required for all cellular functions and is the basic delivery mechanism for all bodily processes, not to mention helping your body detoxify and lose excess body fat. You can't do that if you're dehydrated, okay? Plus, it's necessary uh, for having proper energy levels, and like I said, bowel regularity, having clear, beautiful, bright, shiny skin, being able to think clearly, and again, for weight loss. So a good rule of thumb, and I have a whole show on this, go back to my Foundations and Fitness episode on water and hydration for more details, but a good rule of thumb is to drink a minimum of half your body weight in ounces per day of pure, properly filtered, naturally sourced water. Okay, that's half your body weight in ounces per day, minimum. That doesn't include if you're exercising. That doesn't include if you're sweating. That doesn't include if you're, uh, you know, super active. That does not include if you're around technology for that matter, because any electrical current will dehydrate you. So the more you're glued to your phone, your computer, your Zoom, or any of that stuff, the more dehydrated you're going to be, the more water you need to drink. Okay. But that's a good rule of thumb. All right. So let's just talk about meal timing and when to eat, okay? Because we talked a little bit about what to eat, but when to eat is just as important. Yes, it is. Research shows you can burn an extra 150 to 250 calories just by delaying your next meal about 30 minutes after your workout. How? Because holding off on your next meal not only can help you to clear any circulating glucose, which is blood sugar, but it can also increase your human growth hormone, which is a major fat-burning, anti-aging hormone. So you don't necessarily need to eat immediately after working out. I like to tell people, just listen to your body and eat according to your physical hunger signs, okay? So eating when you're hungry, stopping when You're full, ha, newsflash. I know it's earth shattering, but it's amazing how many people just don't do that. And if you did, you'd be that much ahead of the game. So I talk about the hunger scale in one of my episodes. It's one of my foundations in fitness uh, tips. It's important to get back in touch with your body's biological signals for hunger, not because it's, oh, 12 o'clock, it's time for my lunch break, or not because you're out to dinner with friends and everyone else is eating, But rather, paying attention to your body's biological signals for hunger is what we want to do. We don't want to eat out of habit, out of boredom, or to be polite, or because we're lonely, or we're not able to properly process and feel our feelings, and because we're uncomfortable, or we have addictions, right? I know. Don't worry. I do it too, okay? Oh my God, I do it too. I tend to eat when I'm lonely. I tend to overeat when i'm feeling feelings that i don't know how to deal with okay particularly the bad ones uh i do it that's why i'm sharing this with you because i've made a life out of learning how to help myself oh god help us all <laughs> okay so please my friend i get it i'm right there shoulder to shoulder with you in this journey and we we want to get away from that we want to eat according to our body's biological signals and needs for nutrition and fuel. And yes, because it's fun and tastes good. And yes, we want to be social, but we just want to be mindful of it. I just want you to be aware of if I'm eating and I'm not even hungry. Okay. Just be aware of that. Because if you care about your weight and your energy and all that stuff, you're going to want to know when you're eating just to eat or you're eating because you're actually hungry. Okay. Okay. All right. So I teach my clients and we talk about in one of my episodes on the hunger scale to get out of your head and into your body by using the hunger scale. And it basically works like this. I'd make it up the scale of one to 10, one being famished or starving and 10 being stuffed or full. And basically the goal is to eat when you're about a five or six. So you eat when you're hungry, you're not famished, you're not stuffed and you want to stop when you're about an eight or nine. So you never want to get to the extremes. You never want to get to the point where you're starving and you're going to eat someone's face off, okay? You don't want to be hangry, hungry and angry, right? And you don't, because then you're going to overeat and all that stuff. You're just going to stuff your face and your body didn't even know what you were eating. And you're definitely going to feel like crap after that. We've all been there, right? But nor do you want to eat when you're not really hungry at all, okay? So you want to go for that sweet spot, that Goldilocks spot. And avoid the extremes. All right. Now, we also want to talk about, before I wrap this up, and I talk about this in another one of my episodes, the 12-hour non-eating window. Okay, this is not really a big deal. It's not rocket scientists. It's actually something we as humans have done since the beginning of time, is we have periods where, God forbid, We don't eat. (laughs) That's right. We have periods where we're not constantly snacking. Okay, what was it? Back in the 70s or 80s, we used to think, oh, you got to eat every two, three hours. Otherwise, your metabolic rate's going to tank and you're going to lose your muscle tissue and then you're going to get fat. So we're eating all the time. And what do you know? Everyone's like, wow, dealing with a weight problem now. Okay, so we know that in the bigger scheme of humanity that we went through periods of feast or famine. The problem is in this day and age, There's no longer any more famine, right? Nope, not with 7-Eleven around and 24-7 meal delivery and refrigerators and all these packaged foods. Nope, now we have food that lasts for years for God's sake. So we can eat basically whenever we want. And God forbid we eat this crappy food that should have gone bad. (laughs) If it did you a favor, it would go bad. Basically, the longer the food lasts on the shelf, the worse it is for you. There's a reason why Vegetables and fruits and meats go bad after a couple of days, if not a week or two, because they're fresh, they're alive, they have a life force. Anything that has a life force is not going to last a long time because it's alive, okay? So the longer something lasts means the worse it is for you, basically, because it probably has preservatives, which does what they're supposed to do, preserve the food, okay? That means it has a low life force, and guess what? You're going to have a low life force when you eat it because it's just a law. That's the way it works. So we want to have a non-eating window, meaning not a big deal, but just a period of time where the kitchen is closed. This is where you got to have a little bit of self-discipline here and just put down a rule. Like I don't eat after nine o'clock at night. And then I don't eat again until nine o'clock in the morning. See, it's not a big deal. It's kind of how most people eat anyway. So you're probably like, duh, I do that anyway. Okay, good. Then you're already ahead of the game. But this is important because we don't want to graze all day long because you never let your body have a chance to burn body fat and you never let your organs have a chance to rest and regenerate because they're constantly processing your food. Please go back and listen to that episode on the non-eating window that I did on Foundations and Fitness. I think it's somewhere in the 30s on my show. That will give you more info. Okay. Um, Okay. So... A lot of this can be due to improper macronutrient balance, which is your protein, fats, and carbs. If you find that you need to eat constantly, it means you're getting something wrong there. You're probably not eating enough good fats is what I'd say. If you're somebody who's hungry all the time, you're either dehydrated or you're not eating enough good fats. And go back and listen to how I defined good fats. Okay. Okay. Or you're eating too many carbohydrates because this can, carbohydrates increase your appetite. It's just the way it is because they affect your blood sugar. Okay? And they keep you eating regardless of if it's good for you or not and regardless if you're hungry or not. Because like I mentioned, human beings were evolved in feast and famine conditions. Okay? We had both. We had times to feast, but we had the balancing times to to, um, also not eat. Okay? And this is what, had that scale of balance. Okay. We did not evolve in a state of perpetual feasting, which we have now. Okay. And our blood our blood sugar and our waistlines are proof of that. Okay. Um, so I recommend that 12 hour non-eating window and you just pick whatever that window is. It might be six to six. It might be eight to eight. Who knows? Okay. Uh, but this will help you have more energy, better sleep, clearer skin, Uh, improved regularity, and definitely help keep your weight in check. Score. (laughs) All right. Last but but not least to land this train, eating before and after exercise. So you want to use the hunger scale, okay, uh, to help regulate what you should eat and when you should eat in regard to exercise. Okay, because you want to maximize the thermogenic effects of exercise and the human growth hormone, which can be produced after you work out. Okay, researchers have found that a post meal walk, it could be even something as short as just 10 or 15 minutes, can in fact help with your digestion and improve. improve uh, your blood sugar levels after a meal. So it's a really good idea, if you can, after a meal to move. Really one of the worst things you can do for your weight loss and your waistline is to eat and then just go lay down or sit. OK? Even, like I said, if it's just like doing some light work even, just kind of moving your body or taking a little you know walk with the dog around the block or playing with the kids will really, really make a difference. We have a lot of research on that. And isn't that really encouraging and exciting that it doesn't have to be a big deal. You literally don't even have to sweat. You don't even have to need a shower necessarily. It doesn't have to be an official workout to have really big benefits. So that is some really good news as far as post-meal activity. Okay? So eating for fuel, energy, and fitness is so much more than just choosing a salad or being vegetarian or keto, okay? This is about understanding some basics about food, a little bit about biochemistry, and the importance of quality of food, and remembering you are what you ate, ate, and how all these lifestyle factors are critically important to include in your equation of your holistic lifestyle program. Because if you want to feel good and look good forever, these are things we have to consider. Okay? So I hope this helped you. I really appreciate it if you would leave me a quick review on iTunes. Just go ahead and smash that five-star review if you're watching on YouTube, Fit Amy TV, come on over and say hello to me. I love hearing from you. I love those of you who are tagging me on Fit Amy TV on Instagram, sharing my show with others and just any feedback at all, because we are in this together, my friend, you and me, and I am grateful for you being here with me. I hope you enjoyed it. And I already can't wait to be with you again. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfornier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier. And I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfornier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at fitamytv, F-I-T-A-M-Y TV, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also fitamytv. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.